Greetings from Bishop Aubrey Shines and G2G Ministries in Tampa, Florida. We pray that you would be blessed and encouraged by the biblical message you are about to hear. Today's classic sermon from Bishop Shines continues the series Fundamental Doctrines with reference scripture Hebrews chapter 6 verses 1 through 2 in the Amplified Classic and King James translations. Let's go to the King James Version uh, of that first, and then we'll toggle over uh, to the Amplified um, as, as soon as we get the other scripture uh, cued for it. We'll do it. But let's go to Hebrews 6. Let's look at verse 1. Again, we're going to go to the Amp, I mean, um, to the King James first. Let's read this all together. Come on, read with Pastor. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. Verse 2, of the doctrine of baptisms and of laying on of hands and of resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. And this will we do if God permit. Verse 3 there. Verse 1 in the Amplified, if you don't mind. Look at the amp. Let's read this in the amp, verse 1 and 2 together. If you can see it, say amen. That's a good voice right there. Come on, read with Pastor. Therefore, let us go on and get past the elementary stage in the teachings and doctrine of Christ, the Messiah, advancing steadily toward the completeness and perfection that belong to spiritual maturity. Let us not again be laying the foundation of repentance and abandonment of dead works, dead formalism, and of the faith by which you turn to God. Verse 2, with teachings about purifying, the laying on of hands, the resurrection from the dead, and eternal judgment and punishment. These are all matters of which you should have been fully aware long, long ago. Grab someone by the hand before you take your seat. Please look at him or her eyeball to eyeball. Tell them this is basic doctrine. Tell them this is required. If you are a born-again believer, this should be your basic foundation. Come on, keep that hand. Tell them if you don't know these basics, then you have no clue how to grow and ever become a mature believer. Amen, as you take your seat. Time won't allow me to go over the things that I went through last week, but I do want to just kind of give you just some quick highlights here. If you were not here, please pick up the CD. You will need it. Again, time won't allow me to uh, just take the time to go through this. I listed to six elementary doctrines here, and even though there are several more I know I could grab, but I wanted to focus at least on Paul's writing here. And then one of the two things that I laid out was there was attributes for toddlers or for infants. The reason that I chose to share that language, it was simple, because Paul in this teaching keeps using the word maturity. And because he uses the word maturity and then he contrasts the word maturity from uh, what is called elementary. Everyone say with me, elementary. Come on, one more time. Say elementary. 
is where we get our English word, said with me, kindergarten. So what Paul is really saying in a nutshell is that these are kindergarten issues. That means that every believer, and if you read it as I hope you did in the Amplified Translation, there in verse number two, if you remember the very B portion of that scripture, it just simply said that God uh, had desired that we know this stuff a long, long time ago. In other words, these are fundamental things. What I found, and I'll get into the first uh, portion of this repentance here in just a moment. One of the things that I found is that uh, most believers, they want to highlight some spiritual part about their lives, but they highlight it based on some different kind of experience. For instance, you have a lot of believers that don't know basic doctrine, what Paul said is kindergarten, elementary stuff, but yet they want to tell you about a vision they had, about a dream they had, about something that God has spoken. When you don't have a foundation, what you should do, it doesn't mean, and I don't want you to miss this, it doesn't mean that God cannot speak to you. But the way you filter that information, if it's not filtered through basic doctrine, then you will have a higher proclivity to miss the mind of God. It just simply means that you'll come to a point that even though God may have spoken, you don't know how to filter it through the proper filters. And the proper filters are the filters that where we get this idea of basic doctrine from. This is the reason why I wanted to take time in the next few weeks here to make sure that every believer under the sound of my voice that you have an idea of basic doctrine. Now, if you're new here, let me just su suggest this. Please go out and purchase yourself a couple uh, uh, journals. Uh, I shared in this uh, 9 o'clock service this morning. I still have journals that are now 30-some years old. I still go back over them. There are times that I use them. I have the majority of them still now in a box. I don't have access to them, uh, but there are times when I've had access. I'll still go back over the journals, things that the Lord has spoken, notes that I've taken from various ministries, etc., and I still go back and I read why. Those were fundamental foundational years in my life. And those foundational things gave me the ability to be able to do uh, other things in the mind of God. So every believer needs a journal in his or her life. The role of a pastor is not to entertain you, to make you say when you leave, wow, what a great teacher she or he is. That's not the role of a shepherd. The role of a shepherd is to make sure that you have a, a clarity in your spirit to such a degree that you're able to begin to build because everything that we do has to have a proper foundation. Now, I know we have more younger people in this audience, so I'll, I'll curtail my language in this regard. I'll ask you a question, and if you're honest enough, I believe I'll still get the same response. How many know that if you had a chance to do some things in your life, Again, you would have done a whole lot of things differently. Let me see. Yeah, Would you look at your neighbor and say, if you didn't lift up your hand, say, you really need a foundation because you just, you're still lying. There is a whole lot of foundation that all of us, if we could go back, well, what happened? Why did we make bad choices? We often make them because our foundation uh, just wasn't there. And so often, uh, one of the things we do, we use a lot of what I call uh, spontaneity or emotion or just impulsive things, and we just respond. How many wish you could take back things that you said to someone? Come on. How many said some things very recently to a few folk you wish you could take back? Come on. You don't, don't lie. Don't lie. You're in the house of the Lord. You can get yourself free. 
here's the reality. We say things predicated upon a foundation that really doesn't have a very strong, strong uh, uh, understanding of who we really are. So again, when there's no basis for it, we'll say things. So this is the reason why every one of us need to understand basic fundamental principles of Scripture. Again, let's not forget what Paul said. Paul said that if you don't know these simple things... He said, you can never mature into meteor things. I said again in the first service, there was a time when parents, and I, I'm assuming they still do this to some degree. I know we have a lot of different food items now for children to eat and that sort of thing. But when a baby was small and getting into a certain age, uh, they didn't just take little pieces of steak and rip it up. They would take their fingers if there was bread greens or spinach or whatever it is and they would mash it up with their fingers and then put it in the baby's mouth why it was conditioning that child to move away from milk into something that was more and had more substance that was connected to it well the same principle is true as it relates to spiritual things every one of us are required to have milk. Please write that down. Every believer needs what Paul called the sincere milk of the word. Well, the sincere milk of the word, you can actually find it in what is called basic doctrine. That's where your milk is. So everyone under the sound of my voice, please say this with me. Say, as a baby, according to the scripture, say, as a spiritual child, my first desire is the sincere milk of the Word of God. Now, take your finger, point it to your Bible. Say, in the basic doctrines is where I find the sincere milk. Now, again, if you don't know how to explain that, teach that, then you are not, I don't care about you going to church. Please hear your pastor when I say this. Going to a church does not mean that the church is in you. I'll say it again. Coming to a building doesn't mean that you are part of the church. Well, I, I, I'm a member. You, can, you may have joined a ministry, but that doesn't mean necessarily you join Jesus. Some of us were raised in church. And that's all we knew to do was church. But if you're intellectually honest, there were times in your life that your lifestyle did not exhibit that of a Christ follower. Part of the building, but not part of his building. And there is a difference. Say one more time with me. Say, as a new believer, I should have desired the basic milk of the word. Now it's time for me to not only get the milk. But it's time for me to get some meat. All right. Before I can give you the meat, we're going to go back through this milk portion. So I'm going to take a few weeks to do it. One of the first scriptures and one of the first things I want to put up and you to put up, I want you to put up the word or write down the word repentance. Why? That is in Hebrews 6, 1 and 2. Remember, part of the fundamental doctrine is one of the doctrines of repentance. So every believer is obligated to understand uh, what is called uh, the doctrine of, of repentance. Turn with me, if you don't mind, over to Exodus 13. Exodus 13, and we're going to look at verse 17. Exodus 13, and look with me, if you will, at verse number 17. Now, 
This is going to help. Let's go to the King James Version. And then we'll go a little further here in just a moment. If you can see it, say amen. All right, watch this. And it came to pass. As a matter of fact, read this with me if you don't mind. Come on, read with Pastor. And it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go, that God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest peradventure the people repent when they see war and they return to Egypt. I gave a set of notes. I, I want those notes to be put up. We're going to go over it. The first thing that I want you to see is Israel. Please write this down. Israel represents what is called the New Testament church. So when you see the scripture of Israel in scripture, it is what is called a typology of the New Testament church. Second thing I want you to write down is Pharaoh. Pharaoh is a type of what is called the world system. Now, it's easy for us to just say demonic, but that's really unfair because not every world system has to be demonic. Some world systems, if they have a foundation of the things of God, they're not demonic. They can have their base, their premise from what is called a Judeo-Christian belief system. Therefore, it does not have demonic representation. That's it. it doesn't mean that people can't use it and abuse it, but it's foundation. So I don't want to go as far as say Pharaoh uh, is a type uh, of, or, or the world system, every world system is a type of demonic influence. It's not. But in this case, the church was. Now, I want you to see something before I go a little further here. If you look at the story, go back one more time, King James, one more time, 17 there. And it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go. I want you to see something. Note something. Please note this in your journal. Note what was going on. The world system, or Pharaoh, however you want to look at it, he was influencing the church. He had the church under his auspices. Israel was being influenced by a wicked system. Now, if you only read that, and you don't understand the history that's involved, time won't allow me to go through the whole thing, but I will give you this portion of it. The church had missed God several hundred years before. And because they missed God, God allowed the church to be then governed by a bad system or a demonic system. Doesn't mean that God was not in control. And the reason we know that God was in control, if you read prior to getting to this particular 17th verse, and you go back a few more scriptures, chapters, one of the things that you read is that the church began to cry out. And when the church began to cry out, or there's the word repent, then something begins to happen. Let me pause and give you this here. Please write this down. The word in its natural habitat, repent, literally means to have a remorse or a change of heart. That's all it really means, to have remorse or a change of heart. I'll give you a moment just to write that down. So that's what you're doing. It's, just, it's to feel regret or remorse or have what is called a change of heart. Now, I need to just give you just a little background here. I thought about this a long time in, in giving you this, these basic doctrines. And one of the things that I thought about, because I could have done this from so many different angles. I could have bought in what the sheep and the goats represent. I could have bought in what the turtle doves and the bulls represent and what repentance was and why they had to go through what they went through. I, I, I can still do it, and I may insert a, a few weeks from now. But one of the reasons that I wanted to start here, I thought this was one of the most unique angles of Scripture of repentance. Let me tell you why. 
Often when people hear the word repentance, we think of what we call big sins. And then we think, oh my God, I, gotta I, I need to be remorseful. We should. But there's something else that I wanted you to see here. The, the word repentance really came out of this framework that God had laid out before us that I thought was the most unique place, in my opinion, uh, to start teaching a series. And I want you to see this. It's very, very powerful, by the way. And, and I hope you really grasp this. I, I will take time uh, to make sure you get it. Turn with me to same verse uh, 17, but go over to the Amplified Translation. All right. You can see it? Say amen. Come on, read with Pastor. Let's read the Amp translation. Come on, read with me. When Pharaoh let the people go, God let them not by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near, for God said, lest the people repent or change their purpose when they see war and do what? And return back to what God was bringing them out. Note the first word of remorse where we find it in Scripture or the first element of repentance here is very unique here, people. Watch this. God's desire was to bring his people out of something. Even though he wanted to bring them out, I want you to see this. This is so important for you to get this because, again, if we're not careful, we take certain words and we put so much judgment on it that sometimes we really miss the origin of a word. Watch the etymology here. The etymology of this word is so powerful. God said, I'm going to do such and such for my people. How many know that there are thousands of promises for the believer? As a matter of fact, if you ever want to do a personal uh, study, I recommend it. What you're going to find, I'll help you get to the number. There are over 2,000 specific promises to the church that God has in the scripture. Some of y'all are going, wait, I only know a couple of them. Honor thy mother and father that thy days may be long. Good promise, but it don't stop there. There are 2,000 more promises that are in Scripture. Note how God begins something. God says, I'm going to do this for the believer. I'm going to do this for my people. He says, however, I'm not going to bring my people near where these giants are. Wait, wait, pastor. Couldn't God have brought the people out however he wanted to? Yep. Sure could. Here's the problem. When you are an infant, it's not healthy to see certain things. God did not allow these young believers to see these big monstrosities of problems because the Lord said, if I bring them out the quickest way, some of y'all are going to get this, what the doctrine of repentance is really all about. God is saying, if I bring them out the quickest way, the easiest way, they may return back to what I'm bringing them from in the first place. Sometimes God will bring us out of something, please hear me, and he won't bring us out the way we think he should bring us out. Sometimes God brings us out, please write this down, what I call the long way. What could have happened in just a few days took some groups 40 years to come out. Why? Because some people would never come out of stuff unless they go through some other stuff. And if you don't go through some other stuff and the way is always made for you easy, you won't always appreciate what God was really doing. Sometimes God allows us to go around a long way 
before we ever get to what he's really trying to bring us to. Can we talk here for just a moment? Have you ever wanted God to bring you out of something really quick and you could not understand why you didn't come out of it? And only did, not only did you not come out of it, you found yourself going through even more stuff to the point that you begin to wonder, Lord, I only ask you to bring me out of this. You're bringing me out of this. But God, while you're bringing me out, man, I'm going through a whole lot of other stuff that I wasn't even going through when I wasn't asking you to bring me out. Why? Because what God is doing is he's taking away from you something. Let me give you an insight. Had God allowed Israel or the church, to, the Bible says he did not bring them out by those giants. He said, because if they looked over at the giants and they looked at the war, in other words, they were not ready for that war. So I'm not going to bring them out where there's a war because some people, if I bring you out, watch this, please hear your pastor. If I bring you out, the Lord says, and you experience an immediate war while you're coming out, you're going to get discouraged. And you ain't going to want to come out. As a matter of fact, you'll be just like the church in Israel. Remember what they said when God began to bring them out? Oh, it would be better if we were back in Egypt all over again. These are the same people that have been crying for 400 years. They ain't eaten enough. Bread is messed up. The, these Egyptians are making them work and making bricks out of mud. And they're sweating and dying. But yet God brings them out, but because he brought them out a certain kind of way, some of them begin to complain. I wish we were back in Egypt. That's how some of us are if we're not careful. God brings you out of a bad situation, and instead of you thanking God that you've come out, you're reminiscing on how it used to be when you were in a bad situation. I know I'm in the house right now. God done brought some of y'all out of abusive relationships, and now you're still wondering how it was. Let me tell you something. Don't you wonder how something was? If God brought you out, you ought to have enough sense to just lift up your hands and give him glory. You know why? It could could have been worse than it was. So God brings his people out. He says, you know what? But I'm not going to bring you out by war because if you all see war, you may repent. There's that first word. You may have a change of heart. Can you imagine this? God wants to do something for you, but your heart is repentant. The reason I wanted to get you into this part of the doctrine of the word repentance is because I don't want you to put a framework in your mind that repentance is only because you went out and killed someone and now you need to repent over it. That's not all repentance. Some repentance starts when God is trying to do something through you. That is so powerful that if you're not careful, you will actually change from what God is trying to do and you will connect to what God bought you out of and you will never get what God really ever had for you. Some of us will never move forward because we always looking backwards. That's why God won't bring you out through war. Because if some of you see war, man, you will lose your breakfast, lunch, and dinner. If some of you saw what God have really bought you out of, you would have given up a long time ago. I'll prove it to you. Have you ever looked back over your life? And have you ever said, boy, I know had it not been for God on my side, I wouldn't be where I am right now. But when you were going through what you were going through, you really couldn't see a way out. You were hoping and praying, asking everybody to pray for you because you didn't see a way. And then the moment God begins to bring you out, be honest, sometimes you almost have to look back and wonder, man, when did I come out of this thing? You went through that thing for so long, you almost became desensitized to what you were going through. I, I, I'm trying to help some of you. Never say to God what you cannot deal with. 
Because God will make sure you deal with it a long time. Well, that's unfair. No, it's not. He's a good God. God never wants you to be so defeated that you can't overcome something. That's why you got to watch the words that come out of your mouth. Don't you ever say, I don't know if I can take it anymore. Watch yourself. Because the moment you say you can't take it, God said, listen, you're my son, you're my daughter, you have my DNA, and you can do all things in my name. So since you say it, I'm going to prove to you you really can take it. I think that's maybe one of the reasons Solomon said it's just best to let your words be few. (laughs) Let your hearing be quick, but let your words be few. And when you do speak, Solomon said, he said, let your words have some season in it. In other words, know what you're saying. Don't just say something to say it. Tell your neighbor you talk too much. You need to learn how to listen sometimes. That's true. Because you'll go around telling somebody, well, I can't put it up. I can't deal with it. No more. Have you ever? I know God knows. I've said, I can't, God, if you don't come through right now. I don't know what's going to happen. Ten years pass. And then I realized, wait a minute, yes, I can go through that, but let me tell you what it does. It builds you, and it lets you know you are not designed to fail. God has designed every one of us, in spite of our situations, we are designed to win. If you don't know that, you really don't understand repentance. See, repentance means I'll change from my old way of thinking, because God has something greater for me than what I'm dealing with. Now, it's going to get a little rough in here on this next part. I'm glad y'all shouted with me on that. I'm going to see if you're going to shout with me when we go a little further here. So let me challenge you. Let me challenge you. Let's go here. If you don't mind, turn with me over to Acts, the 17th chapter. Acts 17. Come on, let's go. Let's see if I can get them same shouting folk. Y'all were like, ooh, glory. I know God's going to bring me out. I felt that thing. Uh, let's see how much more you feel, because this this here challenge this is this is one of these things that I've been asked a million times over. Let's go, well, let's go to the amp. Let's go to the amp. If you can see the amplified, let's go to it. Can y'all see it up there? Is it okay? Is it clear? All right. I, I want you to see this now. Keep in mind, I'm dealing with this repentance thing here. This this is very powerful. Look with me at the amp. Come on, read read with me if you don't mind. Let's do it this way. Let's go to the 29th verse before we get over to 30. All right, come on, read with Pastor. Since then, we are God's offspring. We ought not to suppose that deity, the Godhead, is like gold or silver or stone of the nature of a representation by human art and imagination or anything constructed or invented. Such former ages of ignorance, God, it is true, ignored and allowed to pass unnoticed. But now he charges all people everywhere to repent, to change their minds for the better, and heartily to amend their ways with abhorrence of their past sins. I warn you, it's going to get a little tight here. God says something very powerful. He said, at one point, I ignored your ignorance. One of the scriptures is, 
in the King James, I won't even ask you to turn to it. You can write it down. One of the scriptures, same verse, by the way, the King James uses the language, he winked. There it is right there. At the times of ignorance, God did what? He winked. But now he's commanded all men everywhere to have a change of heart, to have a change of mind. When we wink at something, it simply means we know it exists, but we're pretending we don't see it. Can I give you all a quick exercise? I did this in the first service. Let me do it in this service here as well. Grab the person's hand who you're sitting next to. Now, you're going to have to follow me. Come on. Look at him or her eyeball to eyeball. Now, first, I'm going to have to ask you while you're holding their hand, I need you to pretend you love them. First, you got to pretend. You got to pretend you love them now. Because this won't work if you don't really love them. Because you won't wink. Just trust me. You, don't, you just don't know it yet. Now, I want you to hold that hand. Pretend you really love them with all of your heart. Come on, look at them. Some of you men, y'all ought to stop. Y'all won't look at another man. Dude, I don't love you like that. I, see? All right. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> now, I want you to look at that person whose hand you're holding. And this is what I want you to say to them. Say, there are so many things about you. I literally want to throw up on. You really make me sick to the stomach. As a matter of fact, I really hate being sitting next to you. Now, while you do that, come on, keep their hand. Look at them and now wink. Look at pastor. Everything you just said, you denounced it when you wink. Your mouth said something. But your wink said, you know, I'm just joking. You know, what you could have said through the wink was, you know, I love you. You know, I don't feel all. I may have thought that way, but you know, you my boobay. Why? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> all right, I'll stop. I'll stop. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> Some of the brothers are like, dog, you ain't my boo on me. I'm sorry. Some of the men are like, No. I really meant that thing. But here's the deal. The winking, watch this, watch this. The winking nullified whatever the bad words were. I need you to get a mental of this. God said there were points in history when people were building, they're still doing it, building all these images, hand-carved, fat bellies on them. Images of saints praying to them, burning candles. God said, I turned away from it. He says, but now I'm trying to bring you to a place of maturity. In order for me to do this, I want you to note the word. Go back to the amp. I want you to see this. Go back to the B portion of the amplified translation there. Come on. Go back with Pastor here. I want you to see this, please. Look at the B portion of the Amplified Translation. Note the language. And I think the language, in my opinion, can't be no more clear. Look at verse 30. Let's go right where the parenthesis is, where it says, To change their minds for the better and heartily to amend their ways with abhorrence of their past sins. Now, here's a word that I want you to write down if you want to understand the doctrine of repentance. 
It is where we get the word hatred from. Please write it down. And you're going to remember this after you write this. If you remember your reading in the Gospels, if you remember Jesus said this, I quote him. Jesus said, except a man, a woman hates his mother, father, sister, brother, I'm quoting Christ, you cannot have any part of me. Oh, Jesus, wait. You're telling me to go around hating? It's not the point. He's saying if you don't hate something more than what you love or what he's doing, if you don't turn from it. You know why most of us can continue sometimes in, in things that are not great? Come on, we're all guilty of this, people. Don't look at me funny. Because we've never learned how to hate something. Pure repentance means that you have to get to a point where something that was so bad for you, if you don't hate it, listen, I'm trying to help some of you, you will have a greater proclivity to repeat it. Because what you don't hate, you will become desensitized to. And what you do is you'll give it more leverage in your life. I'm going to stay there until y'all say amen. No, don't shout me down now. You know why so many of us can't take a position? We don't hate anything. So we camouflage it in the name of, well, can't we just all get along? Can't we all just love one another? Yeah. I can love you, but still, I can love you, but I can hate the fact that you're trying to kill me. How many enjoyed your food over the Thanksgiving? How many, if you knew it had poison, you would just eat it anyway? Come on. Do I have any crazy people here? This one. Somebody always raise their hand. Oh, I would do it. Really? That's not love, man. See, if you love the person that made the food, but if you know that the food was poison, you could still love the person. You may not understand why they're trying to poison. Let's say they intended to poison you. How many would still love the food? Yeah, see, I, I, you, you're getting it. How many know, but you can still love that person because you still want the best for him or her. You just don't want to eat their poison food. If you don't take a position, you will eat the food because you don't want to offend anyone. And the problem with not understanding the doctrine of repentance, please hear pastor, what it breeds in you is what is called passivity. That simply means that when you don't understand the doctrine of repentance, you just go along to get along. So if this group over here tells you one thing, you say amen. But when you're on this group side, they tell you something different, you still say amen. Because you've never defined the doctrine of repentance. You've never had a remorse or a disdain for anything. Therefore, you've got to be on both sides of the issue. Can I tell you something? Even Jesus said, if you go back and read it on your own in the book of Revelation, when John was out on the island of Patmos, did not Jesus appearing, speaking to John, say to one of the churches, I wish, these are the words of Christ, I wish that you were either hot or cold. He says, but because you are by, lukewarm, is where we get the same word from. He says, because you're lukewarm, he says, I'm going to regurgitate you out of my mouth. Why? Because you don't have a position for God. Would you grab your neighbor's hand and say, as much as I love you, come on. Tell him I'd rather you have a position. Can I make some of you mad in here for just a moment? It's a great Thanksgiving message to make you mad. That way you'll be thankful that I did later. <laughs> 
Here's the reality. Some of us just do things in order to get what we're really looking for. That's not repentance, man. If, if I have to pretend to be something to get you on my side, that means I really didn't believe it anyway. Come on, talk back to me. I put on a fake face, fake everything, and I just say the right stuff. Now, let me break it down. How many, again, pretend, how many love someone here? Fake it if you have to. Now, I want you to imagine the person that you just said, admired, whatever it was that you love, like if they always pretended to get you. So when they said they love you, they really didn't love you the way they really say they love you, but they did everything in the name of love to get what they were wanting to get from you. And then once they got you, they let and abandoned all those things go that it took to get you. How many would still have the same love for that person? No, you wouldn't. Stop lying. You'd have resentment from them because you would say, why is it that you lied to get me? Why did you just tell me you were crazy? Or something like that. <laughs> Some of y'all want to say man, but y'all sitting right next to him. And I know y'all want to do, did you say something to him? Did you write him a letter or something? See, you've never learned how to abandon or you never understood the basic doctrine of repentance. You've never had remorse for being fake or phony. So most of us walk around with pretension. We pretend we're something. That we're not. We act as if there was something when we know. You know what? I love being around people that just who they are who they are. Man, don't fake me out. You ain't, you ain't kidding me anyway, by the way. I look right through it. But my thing is just be you. Don't, you know, can I help some of you all here? You're about to date, do whatever it is you're about to do. Don't always have the best face on. Show yourself. <laughs> be, be, you know, don't like, hi, how are you? You know you don't wake up sounding like that unless you really sound like that. You pick up the phone. Hi, how are you? <laughs> really? You know you really don't even speak to people, some of you, when you wake up. Some of you just honorary, nasty. Be you. Hey, don't talk to me. Don't want to talk. Let them know who you are. Some of y'all want to clap. Y'all just don't know. Boy, I'm telling you, if money could buy, I'd be rich in here right now. Because some of your faces are like, Lord, have mercy. See, you've never understood the doctrine of repent. You've never taken a position. And then you know what? Then you get mad at those that take a position. I have people celebrating me on one side, and I don't know, maybe those cartoons are too much in my mind. Cartoons used to have these little so-called demons and angels. Demon on one shoulder and angel on the other. Angel saying something good, demon saying something bad. It used to always tickle me because always, as a little kid, I wanted to know which side they were going to go on. I don't know why that thing intrigued me. And when it would make a bad decision in my mind, I couldn't understand it because I kept thinking, why'd you listen then? And especially if whatever it was didn't work out and that sort of thing. I could never grasp the concept that, hello, it's a cartoon. I didn't go that far. You know, didn't elevate or didn't go up for whatever reason at that point. Don't laugh at me, your children and grandchildren. You may have children whose elevator stopped. But here's the point. I realized something about it. And it's true even to this day. A lot of us have not grown up 
from not having a position. The basic element of doctrine of repentance means that you have to have remorse about something. If you never have remorse about it, please hear your pastor. I love each of you, and I mean this with all of my heart. God will never be able then to entrust you in deeper areas of your life because you're not being authentic about it. I gave these notes. I want to give them to you. And I'm going to ask you the question. I only have seven minutes here. I got I to close out. This is not political, people, but I want you to pay attention to the question. I asked the same question in the first service as well. Again, this is not political, but I want you to hear this. I wonder how many of us, I need you to be intellectually honest, had we lived in a day and time where Nathan the prophet goes to David and he rebukes him. He rebukes him not just for killing Uriah. He rebukes him for being with Bathsheba. He goes from there and goes back to the Uriah issue and says, and you kill this innocent man with a world system. Not only did David do those things, David did several other known sins in the kingdom of Israel and Judah and Hebron as well. And David was known for not being quote, what you and I would call perfect before God. Come on, look at pastor. This is a serious question. It's not political. How many of us would have seen David's fault and still voted for him to be a king? Most of us would not have done it. You know why? Because we would have made a judgment about him that we thought he didn't measure up to, come on, come on, to God's way. How many of us would have looked at Saul, who we now know as Paul, knowing that Paul, out of his own mouth, his own testimony, his purpose was to kill the church. He went around persecuting the church. One of the texts literally read that he made many blaspheme in the church. That means, in part, once believers, when they were under pressure, Paul put them under so much pressure that they began to denounce, deny rather, that Jesus was even the Lord. So he forced them out of pressure to then backslide. Watch this, watch this. How many of us sitting right here, right now, would have saw Saul now being nominated for the bishop role or the pastor role, how many of us would have voted against him? Almost all of us. Come on, touch your neighbor and say, be honest. Tell him, you know you would have voted against him. Because you would have said, I ain't voting for no man killing all the saints. I'm not voting for David. This man is a hoodlum. He's a murderer. This man sleeps with whoever he wants to. He's, he's uh, uh, doing senses where God says don't do senses. He's doing a whole lot of stuff. At one point, David even pretended to be like he was crazy. So some of us would have said, and he's bipolar. Because the Bible says that when David went among the kings, that he feigned himself. The King James says he feigned himself to be mad to the point David began to intentionally slob down his face. So David... Come on, don't look at me funny. I'm not trying to gross you out. David gets before the enemies of God and pretends he's and he's just doing a lot and spit and everything is coming down. How many of us would have voted for David then to be our king? Watch this. The doctrine of judgment means that 
judgment has to have, please write this last word down, what's called maturity in it. Because if you don't understand the history and the direction of God, then what you think a person should repent of and about is not the same thing that God is thinking about. Oh, God has a certain standard, people. But make no mistake about it. If we're not careful, we'll make judgments on things that God's not even in, not in your life. Do you realize we don't qualify to make certain judgments about certain people? Not until you walk in his or her shoe. How any man in this building can look at any woman that has had a child and say, I know what you went through when you had that baby. Every woman should want to get up and slap you into tomorrow. Because you cannot know what that woman went through. Oh, when you were in childbirth, oh, I was there. I felt that thing. Man, please. I can tell you what most men would do. We die. Ten pounds in our stomach? Are you kidding me? And it's got to go through a channel in life that... The thought of this thing is just too much for me. Thank God you have your role. I'm not judging you. You, you made it through job. You go, girl. Because I can relate to that. See, watch this. But if we're not careful, we will make judgments. I know what you went through. You don't know what a person gone through? Whether it's death, sickness, whatever, bad relationship, be careful that you don't make a judge. See, the doctrine of judgment allows you to be mature because you really don't understand it unless you have walked in it. If you've never walked in it, you can't understand it. So judgment, last point, please write it down. Judgment is something that is exclusive as it relates to the things of God. Let God do what he wants to in a person's life. Now, if people want to put up with whatever they want to put up with, be careful that you don't judge that just because you wouldn't do it. That's like young people. I'm going to close. Telling you how you should be as a mother. I think I will. How you, how you going to tell your mama if you were a good mama, a dad, he ain't fair? When the last time you been a daddy? You don't treat me right. Because you, you're a child. I'm a man in a child's body. See, you don't know why a person does what they do. Until you understand the doctrine of judgment. One of the things that I hope you take from this. Again, let your mind go back to Exodus. God's idea of repentance had everything to do with I want to bless the people. But they can't handle it. I don't want their hearts to turn. Therefore, I'm going to let you go through a whole lot more than you would have gone through. What could have gotten you there in one day. I'm going to take 40 years to get you there. Because proper understanding the proper doctrine of judgment makes you understand. That there are some things that God would just let you go through. That's part of the doctrine of judgment, people. Another part of the doctrine of judgment is found where I gave it to you in the book of Acts, where God sometimes will turn away from what you've done, even though you're guilty and should be punished. Come on. How many have done things that others have done, and you didn't get the same punishment they got for it? Everybody's hand should be raised in here. How many know that God preserved and kept you over the same stuff that somebody else tanked over? God brought you out. And don't, I don't understand why he did it. I know this. Thank God for the doctrine of judgment. Because if, if we were all on the same playing field, we would all get the same punishment. Come on. 
And then the whole latter part of understanding these things is simple. When God begins to do something in our lives, it takes maturity to understand judgment. People, hear me as you stand. Don't be quick to judge something unless God gives you the power over that thing. My eldership team here, we laugh at times at people that want to tell us how to do the church stuff. Don't get me wrong. We're always open to suggestions. But we have some people that get mad. Thanks, Marla. We have some people that get mad because we ain't doing it their way. If I was the pastor, you ain't. If I was Dr. Gans, you're not. Well, if Andrea could really see, you can't. Elder G, just, he just want to give you scripture. You just don't know him. Elder Jerry always wants to fight. You're weak. <laughs> see, you don't know until you walk in that thing, people. Let's work together to understand what God really has for us. That doctrine of judgment, we got five to go. But I wanted you to see the vast difference in all this stuff here. It's got to be more than just you making a decision. Be careful that you're not around people that make silly what I call prophetic judgments. I wish I had time to get into it. Some people would tell you it's God's will for you to do this, 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 this. Please. Not until you walk in that chute should you make those decisions. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed everywhere. Would you repeat this with me? Father, forgive me of all my sins. Forgive me for bad judgment. I realize over 2,000 years ago, you died. Three days later, you were resurrected. I believe you're going to come again. I also believe the same blood that was shed has the power, not just to cleanse me, but to make all things new. Help me as I make judgment about the direction you're taking me in. And I'll give your name all the honor, all praise. And all we hope this message has been a blessing in your life. To hear more inspiring, transformative messages, visit glorytoglory.org and make sure you follow and like us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram.